0: This message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. It's going to get a bit closer to everybody. Praise God. Can everyone hear me yet? Yep. Okay, great. We're going to continue our theme, as David said, on Covenant, which is part of the Boundary Stones series that we started in, in the last couple of months or so. Um, I'm really excited about this morning, how we're doing with the slide. Fantastic. Can anyone actually read that? I have to say that looks a lot different on a small screen when you put it together and it goes up on the big screen, looks very different. So if you can't read that, that says Created for Covenant created for covenant okay so that's this morning's um, title and we have started this series this boundary stone series on covenant um david a few weeks ago talked about um god in in the beginning in creation setting boundaries for creation and how those boundaries were a good thing the boundaries that god sets in place uh, are healthy they're a positive thing um and they're for our good and uh the other thing that we've talked about in the last few weeks is the covenants um, that God has, um, his relationship with man has been through covenants, starting in Eden with the Edenic Covenant, and we've talked about the covenants that have followed. And last week, Richard did a whistle-stop tour uh, of, the, of the six covenants of the Old Testament, which culminated in the covenant, the new covenant that you and I have come into, which is the covenant with Christ. And the wonderful thing is that when we look at Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he says in the first chapter, he says, all the promises of God, all the promises that God has made through these covenants, they find their yes and their amen in Jesus. Yes. In fact, they all dovetail into Christ. They were all leading up to the provision of Christ. And Stephen shared earlier about insisting on things in the Word. And he said, it's, it's my right in Christ. It's always in Jesus that we stand for all the things that God has promised us. They are yes and amen in Christ. He is our means of provision. He's our means of accessing those things. He's our means of everything. He's our all in all, isn't he? He's our all in all. I feel this morning that I've got a little bit of a mountain to climb because the Lord has laid on my heart a sort of a picture to paint for you all today. And it's quite a big picture to paint. And I feel a little bit overawed by the task, if I'm honest. But when we share from the word, we rely on the Holy Spirit. And I just feel it's right for us to pray now. So if you just close your eyes with me. And Father, as we come to your word this morning, Lord, our hearts are hungry for your word. Because your word does us good. Your word feeds our souls. Lord, it's eternal food that you feed us with, Lord. It's living water every day. And so, Lord, we come looking for that living water that you promised this morning. That, Lord, your word would come in this morning and that streams of living water would pour forth from us, not just today, Lord, but day upon day upon day upon day. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 What I'd like to do is to talk about three things this morning about covenant, three things that I think are really fundamental about covenant, really important. Um, And I want to, as I said, paint a bit of a picture, if you like, starting with our beginnings, starting with creation, but talking about the whole of history and talking about our future destiny. So I told you it was big, didn't I? (laughs) We started with covenant as a boundary stone because covenant was the wellspring from which God created everything. It was the covenant that God had with himself, this life that God enjoyed, the Godhead, that the word speaks of, ...that was the wellspring that caused God to want to create us. He wanted us to enjoy that life that he'd been enjoying for all eternity. And that's why it's really important, understanding covenant. And that's why I want to really get into some, hopefully some quite deep things this morning. So you need to listen with the ears of your heart. I know that isn't a phrase of the Bible, it's the eyes of the heart. But I think the heart has got ears as well. Let him who have ears listen... Because I believe the revelation needs to come this morning. So put your brains in the back seat and put your hearts in the front seat this morning. Okay, It's not about analysing, but it's about just hearing from the Holy Spirit as the word comes this morning. We started with covenant because covenant is fundamental to who God is. And I believe the Lord wants us to catch a fresh sense of that for some of us that have known of covenant and what it means for some time. And for others that maybe the word is relatively new or doesn't have much of an impact for you, that I believe it will do. I believe that God wants to give you a revelation of why covenant is so important. In fact, covenant is the starting point in boundary stones because it's actually the thing from which lots of other things come. If we understand covenant, then we can understand lots of other things that we're going to come onto as our boundary stones. Things like authority. Things like marriage that we've talked about recently. Things like the future, where we're going. Things like the future and the, the nation of Israel and the place that Israel has in the purposes of God. All these things are understood in the context of covenant. Yes. Something really important today is authority. Yes. We have to understand authority in the context of covenant. Yes. It's really important for us. So this is a key to our understanding of boundary stones and that's why we have started with covenant. As I think Richard said last week, and I think David said the week before, and I'm going to say it again, in all of our theology, it must start with God. Whenever you look at anything in the Word, if you're studying the Word for yourself, here's my top tip. Start with the nature of God. Because all good things find their origin in God and in his nature. So we look at him first, and then we work down from there. And if we do that, we won't go wrong. Where we start to go wrong is when we start here and start to move our theology upwards and then start to apply things to God that suit us because they suit our circumstances. What Stephen was talking about this morning was looking at the word, which doesn't fit our circumstances, and choosing to believe the word over our circumstances. And Paul says about Abraham, that's what he did. He looked at his circumstances and thought, this ain't going to happen. But then he listened to the promise of God and said, I'm going to choose to believe the promise of God. That's faith. That's why he's the, our father in the faith. So covenant, it must start with God. It starts with the nature of God. Covenant isn't a legal framework. You know, we've talked about the covenants and we, we could be forgiven for thinking, well, isn't it just a, um, some kind of legal framework with which we deal with God? And covenants in law, Andrew will tell you, covenants are legal things, aren't they, Andrew? That's right, you covenant to do something. Covenant is more than that. Covenant isn't a legal framework. It's not a system with which we relate to God. Many religions of the world today are effectively systems that people live within. And they feel very comfortable in those systems. They feel very secure because it's just a system. Covenant is about relationship. Relationship with God. And that's why it starts in God. Because God is three persons in one. We've already read a couple of weeks ago that God started creation and he said, let us make mankind in our image. Let us make mankind. You know, the catalyst for creation was that, let us make mankind in our image. That was God's heart. And fundamentally, covenant was the cradle for creation. It was the birthplace for everything that exists. It came out of that covenant desire that God had enjoyed a relationship with himself, a loving relationship, and he wanted to create something out of that. It was the springboard for creation. It's where our beginnings came from. God was enjoying himself. Does anyone here enjoy their own company? Anybody? Some people don't. Some people like company. Yeah, okay. Not all of us enjoy our own company. But you know what? God enjoys his own company. God enjoys being with himself. God loves himself and enjoys being with himself. Let's just turn across to John 17. And in here we've got a prayer of Jesus. This is when he's praying. In your Bibles it might be titled the high priestly prayer. And it's a long prayer. But at different points during this prayer, we get a snapshot, just a little one, into this relationship, which for us is still quite a mystery. But this is the birthplace of all creation, this relationship. It's the cradle of creation. Let's just go to verse 3. Jesus says this, talking to the Father. Talking to his Father, he says, and this is eternal life, that they know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God. It's that relationship. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So Jesus had this glory with the Father before the world existed. I don't even know what that is. But I know it was fantastic. I know it was harmonious. I know there was never any discord between God and himself. This wonderful, loving, harmonious, wonderful relationship. And then if you just go down to verse 24. Jesus says again, Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given to me, may be with me where I am to see my glory. That you have given me because you loved me. ...before the foundation of the world. The Father loves the Son... ...and the Son loves the Father. And that unique love... ...is this covenant love... ...that we've been talking about. There is a love in God... ...that he wants to share with his creation... ...and that remains his heart. Covenant's therefore really important... ...because it's how we understand our origins. It's where we came from. If you know where you came from... ...you know where you're going... And we live in a world today where people are asking the question, where did we come from? This is the answer. We came from this relationship, this covenant relationship. Man is not an orphan, abandoned by God. Man is a prodigal who left his father's house and all the good things that his father had made for him, and the father still wants the son to come home, still wants us to come home. That none should perish is God's heart. That none should perish. And that same love that created us in the first place has brought us back into that covenant relationship. That Father's heart has gone out into the world and found you. The Holy Spirit, before you were even born, had you marked to come into his kingdom. And every day of your life, the Holy Spirit was watching over you was with you even though you didn't know he was there. And he was waiting for the right time when your heart was in the right place and then he called you home. And that's the covenant love of God. And that covenant love doesn't stop there. That determination to bring you into his kingdom is the determination to keep you in his kingdom, to keep you in pastures green, as Richard read this morning, to lead you to good places. That's his covenant love. And it's that covenant love that will finish what he started. If you belong to him, you'll make it home. Because he'll see to it. He is faithful. That which he started, Paul says to the Philippians, I am confident he will finish in you. And that's where covenant love gets real for us. I'm secure in that. I know who I am. I know where I came from. I know the heart that birthed me. And I know the heart that rescued me. And the heart that will get me home. So I can live every day secure in the covenant love of God. That's why covenant is so important. God committed himself to bringing you home. And God always keeps his word. So covenant is a cradle for creation. But I believe it's also a driving force of our history. The history of the world. Covenant is... um, it's a way of understanding our beginnings, where men, mankind came from. But it's also a way in which we see the world. Because you see, when you pick up a newspaper, what you have before you is a picture of the world that is framed by men and women who are not part of that covenant, that don't know that covenant love. By a fallen world that doesn't see God's perspective. All you have in that newspaper is the perspective from down here. This is how it looks from down here. But when you come up to where God is, the whole picture changes. Yes. Who's been up in a plane? Put your hand up if you've been up in a plane. Okay. First time you go up in a plane, it's amazing, isn't it, what it looks like down there. Everything looks so different. I remember the first time I went on a plane, I was about 10 years old. I remember taking off, and then I could see people and they look so tiny and little cars. And, and my whole perspective just changed as a 10-year-old. Suddenly everything seemed smaller and my perspective changed in an instant. And that's why it's important to get the divine perspective. Just go with me to Acts 17. Now Paul, in this scripture, he is standing before the very wise men of Athens... I love the way Paul goes into different contexts. And he uses the language of the people he's talking to, their own concepts and thoughts and language, and communicates to them that way. He doesn't go in with his Jewish concepts and thoughts, which he grew up with, but he talks them in their own language. You know, when we reach out to people, when we talk to people, we need to talk to them in their language. And it is doable, because Paul did it. And he's talking to them, and, and he's talking about this... Um, He said in verse 23, he says, For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. This is God. They were seeking God. And then he says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made for one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Did you see that? He said, this God has determined the allotted periods and boundaries of the dwelling place of every nation on earth kingdoms will rise and fall but God has determined how long they will last and he's determined the extent of their dominion you see there's only one authority in heaven and earth and that's God and even though history unfolds God is in control God has a purpose which he set out from the very beginning to fill the universe with his image through men and women that's God's plan It remains God's plan. In Exodus chapter 9, don't turn to it, but in Exodus chapter 9, it says that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. So God's message was to let the children of Israel go, and yet God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Because God was working in that situation. He had a plan to work it all out. When we look through history, we can therefore see the hand of God in all of it. You know, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before, there was um, a news story about the latest ancient city that ISIS were looking to take. And the concern that there were ancient ruins there that are of great historical importance being destroyed. And I'm a lover of history and I love ancient stuff. I love looking at it, I love connecting with it. But I sat back and I thought to myself... Man is trying to preserve these remnants of his history as if it's so precious. And I thought, I wonder how God feels about those ancient ruins. And then I thought, do you know what? God isn't so much interested in ancient ruins as he is people and his purposes. That's what's important. doesn't mean we don't have regard for history, but it doesn't say who we are. Our relationship with God says who we are, where we came from and where we're going. You know, there's a, a, um, a picture uh, that I like to think of in the way that covenant purposes of God are worked out through history. And it's a picture of a wave, okay, an ocean wave. So if you think for a moment of a wave, when you see, if you go down to the beach and you see the waves crashing up on the, on the beach, you don't see all of the water piled up on the beach, do you? But the waves that crash on the beach actually start from far out in the sea because there are currents, sea currents, that are pushing the water as the tide comes in and the tide goes out. And actually, the definition of a wave is where energy travels from one point to another and it picks up matter, it affects matter as it goes along, but it's the energy that travels. So if you take the biggest example of a tsunami, you take a tsunami then something happens in the middle of the ocean, and that could be an earthquake, it could be a, a, um, a, a juddering of two tectonic plates, and it sends a shock wave. Now, that energy can travel thousands of miles across the ocean, and we've seen the devastating effects of that. But as it travels across the ocean, it's not the same bit of water that's travelling thousands of miles across the ocean, but it's the same energy. So as the wave travels, it picks up water, and there's, there's a swell in the ocean as it moves across. And it's only when it gets to the shore that that energy is dissipated in the crashing of the wave. And the history of God's people is like that. God's covenant purposes were there from the beginning. And when you read a chapter like Hebrews chapter 11 about our ancestors in the faith, all of them were picked up by the wave as the energy came through, all of them were carried along by the purposes of God in their generation. And then, they, and then they left this life. All of them were looking for a destination, were looking forward, it says. And it's the same through history. That wave is moving through history, relentlessly, like a tsunami. It moves through history. The great thing is that where the wave is now is right here. You and I are on the crest of that wave. It's the same covenant purposes. Just turn with me to the book of James. James just name drops right at the end of his letter. And it's such a great little verse. I love it when the Lord does this. In verse 17 of chapter 5. So James is talking about prayer. He's talking about praying. And he, talk, he looks back to Elijah, a man who'd come hundreds of years before him. And he says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. I think some versions say, who was human like us. Uh, which is a bit of an odd rendering, but you get the picture. He was just like you and me. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Now James was talking a couple of thousand years ago and looking back at Elijah who came hundreds of years before him. And he was seeing Elijah was on the crest of the wave. He was being driven along by this wave of God's covenant purpose through history. And James was on the crest of the wave as he looked back. And today... You're reading James's words, and we're looking back at him, but it's, we're looking back at the ancestors, our ancestors in faith, those who have been come, come into the covenant and are part of God's outworking of His covenant purposes. If you just go to 1 Corinthians 10, there's a wonderful scripture in here. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul is talking about um, the children of Israel and the time they spent in the desert, and he's talking about a, a picture of what they went through, and it was a foreshadow of what was to come. And there's one part in verse 11 where he says this All the things that happened to them, so everything that we've read about, as an example. Now, these things happened to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. He was at the crest of the wave, the end of the ages. All the history of the Old Testament was full of people choosing to do things God's way or not. Everybody had their own choice. But in all of that, God was able to work out his purposes. Because God is able to do that. He's able to give you free will, but he's still able to work out his purposes in your life go just go back a, a book to Romans 828 because God has not stopped doing that that which he did with Israel he's doing with us now he's working out his purposes in our lives Romans 828 i'm sure you'll know this one really well and we know that for those who God those who love God all things work together For good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And we know that for those who love God, all things, all things in your life work together for good. This is the really important bit. For those who are called according to his purpose. You see, we often remember the first bit of that verse, but we forget the second bit or we don't even quote it. It's all about the purposes of God. Everything that's happened in your life has been Part of God's purposes. It's been part of God's covenant purposes. Working out his purposes. And that's where covenant gets really personal for us. Because we have to decide in our hearts what's more important. Are we more interested in our own lives and maybe our own comforts? Or are we more more interested in the purposes of God? And allowing God to use our lives for his purposes. You know, the Apostle Paul had got to the point where actually it was just a no-brainer for him. He was given over to the purposes of God. But when he wrote these lines, he said, I'm given over to the purposes of God, but guess what? Everything that's going to happen in my life, God's going to work together for good. Because I'm called according to the purpose of God. That unstoppable wave, I'm part of that. And that's all I need to focus on. Paul didn't have a comfy ride. If you know anything about Paul's life... It wasn't a comfy ride. God doesn't necessarily promise you a comfy ride in his purposes. If you want to be part of that covenant wave, it's not necessarily a comfy ride. But you know what? The destination is certain. And the place where we'll get to is better than the place where we've been. And that's the important thing. When we look back through history then, there's this wave that comes all the way through history of our ancestors in this covenant with God. You know, if you look at a tsunami, if you've seen one that's been recorded on tape, what you find is, do you know what? It doesn't look that massive when it comes in. I remember the first time I saw one, a real one, I'd seen some sort of disaster movie or something like that that I have to sit through uh, with Ellie, because she loves disaster movies and I hate them. So, so I have to sit through these disaster movies, sorry darling, and... Um, we watched one about some tidal wave and it came towards the city and the sort of skyscrapers were like this and the wave was like that over these skyscrapers and I kind of thought it was this wall of water and actually seeing a real tsunami, it looks deceptively calm but as it approaches land, what happens is the depth of the ocean goes like that and gets like that until it hits the beach and it's actually the resistance of the land that gives the wave a greater impact. And I believe for us, for God's people, that as we approach the end game, there's going to be more resistance to the kingdom. We're seeing it right now. All over the globe, people are trying to move boundary stones that God has put in place. Yesterday, there was a, sorry, on Friday, there was a vote in Ireland to redefine something God has already defined. It's a boundary stone. You can't redefine it. You can't move it. But men are trying to do that. I believe that as that resistance grows, the wave will grow. And the wave will have a bigger impact for the the grand finale. Do you want to be at the grand finale? I do. That's why Peter says, pray then. Pray that the day will come. That you'll be part of that grand finale. I want to be there when that happens. Because it's going to be a glorious day for us. So that covenant is a wave. That moves through history. But covenant is also the environment in which you and I will grow. It's where we will mature. It wasn't just our cradle, it's also our nurturing environment. Covenant is a relationship between us and God, but it's the place where we grow in that relationship. When man was created, Adam and Eve were innocent. But you know what? They were childlike. They weren't mature. They may have been adults, but they weren't mature. Because God's intention for them, and for everything else in creation, was growth. Growth was embedded into creation. And God wanted them to grow. And to grow into the maturity of Christ. You see when the writer to the Hebrews talks about Jesus. He says look this is the image of the invisible God. He's the imprint. In fact let's go to Colossians. Because here Paul writes about what happened. When God created the world. And the the part that Christ has in it. These few verses... Whenever I read this, they blow my socks off. Literally. I've got steam coming out my ears when I read these. Because they are so amazing. And you can read these today, tomorrow, and every day for the rest of your life. And God will give you a fresh revelation of what they actually mean. That's how wonderful they are. Verse 15, Colossians 1. Talking about Jesus. He... ...is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Could you get more of a totemic statement about who Jesus is. He is fundamental to the fabric of creation itself. All things hold together in him. You know, in the last 20 years, um, particle physicists have been on a mad dash to try and find out what makes the universe. Because every time they think they found what the universe is made up of, more data comes in that says, that isn't right, and they have to go back to the drawing board. And currently, they're grappling with something they call dark matter, which simply means that there's something out there affecting matter that cannot be detected, so it's called dark matter. But they've admitted that the theory will change again and again and again and again and again, and and finally are starting to admit that they don't really understand how the universe is held together, what holds it together, When all along the scriptures have told us that Jesus holds the universe together. Now here's the wonderful thing. If Jesus is in the fabric of the universe, if all things were made through him and in him and by him, then that means there is something endemic about Jesus in everything in creation. Even though it is fallen, it was made in his image. He was the template. He was the cookie cutter that God used to make the world. Well, when we think about covenant, what did we read in John about his relationship with the Father? You know, Jesus has been eternally dependent on the Father. They have an interdependent relationship. It's always been that way. So God used the image of his dependent son and imprinted it on a universe. So that universe is dependent upon the Father. It's encoded in our DNA, to have a dependent relationship on God. That's why covenant is so fundamental, not just for us, but for this whole world, beyond to the whole cosmos. That's why God is restoring all things to himself, because it's only when creation comes back into that dependent relationship that creation can reach its true full potential, which God had intended all along. That's God's covenant purpose, that we achieve that true potential. And it starts with the people of God. It starts with the rebirth in us. It started with the rebirth in us, but it started with Christ, because he was the firstborn among many brothers. So that interdependent relationship is encoded. It's in the genetic code, if you like, of all created things. And that's why God wants to bring all things and reconcile all things to himself. It's where we find our maturity. Just turn with me to Psalm 2. This verse crossed my mind last week. We, read, we were singing um, uh, The Lord Reigns. You know, The Lord Reigns, that one. And um, in Psalm 2, there's a verse in that where it talks about why do the nations rage? You know that one? Why do the nations And we sing that and we think, Yeah, why do. It, it's not are pondering: Why did the nations rage? You know, what's got what's got their goat? It's, it's that's not what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist is saying, this is pointless. Why are you bothering to rage against something that is encoded in your very being? That's the that's the foolishness of fallen man. Let's just read the first three verses. It says. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, as Jesus, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. There is something in fallen man that wants to break the bonds, the boundaries that God has set in place in creation. And to do the very things that will actually lead to mankind's destruction. How tragic is that? That's the history of the world. is men straining against what they feel to be restrictions. And you know the, 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 the debate today in society, if you read social media, if you look at what people are talking about, there's a debate going on. It's democracy versus totalitarianism. Just to simplify it for you, that's what's going on. Democracy versus totalitarianism. Two opposite ends of the spectrum. Democracy says, I should be able to do what I want to do. I will determine my own future. I get a say. I say what I want to do. Totalitarianism says, I accept someone else telling me what to do. And every form of government is somewhere in between. And what is going on, the things that are propelling, the changes being made in our society today is down to this self-determination. Therefore, a boundary, a restriction is seen as a bad thing. That's the lie that Satan sold Adam and Eve in the garden. Do you remember? Did God really say that? Do you know what? He doesn't want you to eat of that apple because it'll make you like him. He set that boundary in place, not for your good, but for himself. What a horrible lie that was. Yes. And what a tragedy that we, we, yeah. in them, yeah. swallowed it. Yeah. And he's been lying ever since. Do you know what? We've got to not accept the way the world is framing life. Yeah. It's not about self determination or being pushed around by someone else, it's about covenant relationship right. with God. We're not even on that scale, folks. We reject the scale. We reject the way that life is being framed in that context. So often, we can capitulate with that because things are put to us in a certain way that means we accept what is being said when we respond. And you know what? Sometimes we've got to say, hang on a minute. I don't accept that life is a choice between those two things. Actually, I believe in something completely different. Something completely otherworldly. Because I'm not of this world. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. I'm from an eternal kingdom. And guess what? This eternal kingdom sets the rules. Not the fallen kingdom that I'm living in. Our choice is a covenant relationship with God. And the wonderful thing about covenant is that we flourish in covenant. When we come back into the covenant relationship with our Father that we were designed for to have, that's encoded within us, then suddenly something amazing happens, that when we live dependent on him, guess what, you can reach your true potential. And you know what the exciting thing is? Adam and Eve, do you know their potential was unlimited? Because they were to grow into the full stature of Christ. Christ is in you, and you are to grow into the full stature of Christ. And guess what? Christ has no limits. He's eternal. That means there's no limit to the amount of growing you can do. Who thought we were going to get to heaven and then that's it? Because that's not it. This is just the preface, folks. Chapter 1 starts in eternity. And you're going to continue to grow. You won't struggle with the presence of sin anymore. But you will still grow. Because growth is not just about walking away from sin and dealing with sin. It's about far more than that. And so often in our... In our consciousness, when we think about spiritual growth, we think about dealing with those things of the sinful nature because the Word instructs us to do that. But don't let limit our thoughts to that. Actually, it's about growing into the full stature and nature of Christ. That's amazing. Do you know what? God wants to reveal that to you. He wants to show you what that means. You know, last week, um, Richard, when you were talking, Rich, at one point you said... um, you meant to say government, but you said covenant. <laughs> a little bit like David's chopportunity, which I still love. Chopportunity, don't forget it, folks. Covenant. <laughs> and I thought, I, I, went, I went to write it and I thought, hang on, that's not even a word. <laughs> and then I thought, but it should, it should be. <laughs> do we believe in what form of government do we believe in? We believe in covenant. Yeah? A government that comes through a covenant relationship with God. Yeah? I'm not being flippant with you. I'm being serious. That's the government that we have. We're not under the thumb. We're not oppressed by God. We're not slaves. We're sons. We obey out of love. If you love me, you'll obey me. Not if you fear me, carrying in the corner. If you love me, you'll obey me. That's the relationship we have with him. That is covenant, and that is how you and I will grow and flourish in this life and in the life to come. So covenant is about... Where we came from. It's about our beginnings. It's about understanding our origins in this wonderful covenant relationship of the Godhead that's still a mystery to us, but we know that was the birthplace of all creation, including us. It's the driving force of our history. Don't accept what the history books tell you, because they're written by people that see only with these eyes, that don't see into the spiritual realms. God has been moving through history and working his purposes out. And you know what? That tsunami can look deceptively calm at times. But don't underestimate it. Because when it breaches and hits land, it'll do everything that it's set out to do. And the covenant wave of God's purpose is the same. It will do that for us. Covenant is so important because it's our identity. It's God's identity. It's who he is. He is that relationship in the Godhead. And that means it's who we are as well. It's core to our identity. It says where we came from, where we're going, and where we're going to be in the future. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, Father, we thank you that you have chosen in your grace and in your mercy and above all in your covenant love to bring us back to your purposes, Lord. Each one of us, you've handpicked, Lord. To be at the crest of that wave that's moving relentlessly and unstoppable forward in your purposes, Lord. To achieve all that you've set out to do. And that, Lord, we will be with Jesus, singing his praises and extolling him before all mankind, Lord, at the very end of the ages. Lord, we pray that your love for us, your covenant love, will be real to each one of us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd give each one of us an identification with the the ancestors that have gone before us, Lord. People like Elijah. People like James. Lord, people that we can look back on. They were people like us. And like us, Lord, they were driven by your purposes. By that same energy that once drove them, Lord, now carries us along in your purposes. And Lord, our heart is to give all all that we have, to being part of that. And with your grace, we shall do so. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you, folks. Thanks for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church, And for more great teaching, visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk.